We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl appreciate you joining me hope your saturday is going well today we are going to be going over some potential free agents that Green Bay could still sign. This is definitely what I would consider an episode. (laughs) And what I mean by that is if you're hoping that I'm going to come out here and say, listen, Odell Beckham, huge name. Green Bay could go get him. This is the time. This is the place. Odell Beckham, Green Bay. It's not going to be that. This is going to be a few names that could potentially be added and it's not going to be super sexy. I apologize in advance. And the reason that that is, is A, because Green Bay does not have a ton of money to go out and spend. And you could go out there and look and you could be like, Andy, Green Bay is like in the top like five or six for money available in free agency. They have money they can go spend. This is this is workable. This is doable. They could go sign a big time free agent. It looks that way It's not really that way. And the reason being is because A, they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers and that's going to cost nine more million towards the cap. B is they have a full draft class that they are going to need to sign. C, they are going to need in-season money. D, they need to sign two or like right now it's a 51-man roster that's counting against their salary cap. They need to get that to 53, a practice squad, any injured players that end up being on injured reserve where they need to add more players to their additional 53-man roster. That all goes towards that. So they, it seems like on the surface, they've got some money to spend and they could go out and sign some players. That is true, but they probably need to be pretty frugal at this point. There's not a lot left when it comes to restructuring contracts. They could extend Rashawn Gary, which would open up some space. They could trade Darnell Savage, which would open up a lot of space. There are some things they could do. I'm just not sure that even if they extend Rashawn, that they're all of a sudden going to go out and spend that money. I'm also very, I don't know, let's just say I'll believe it when I see it, if they actually trade away Darnell Savage using a valuable draft pick, which we know 
Brian Gutekind's values to get off of one of his first round picks in Darnell Savage. I just don't think that's ultimately going to be the case. I think they're going to hope that Darnell plays better this upcoming season and can earn the contract that they've already given him. I'm skeptical, but that's what I think they're probably going to do. So A, they don't have a ton of money to go out and spend. B, there's just not a ton of players left in free agency that are going to be some really fun, exciting players that they could go out and sign. You couple those things together, a free agency pool that's been picked over pretty well with a team that doesn't really want to go out and spend money right now or can't go out and spend money right now. And as I've mentioned before, I know you can go out and look at all the free agency grades and they're going to be probably not very pleasant for the Green Bay Packers. I've loved this free agency period for Green Bay. First of all, you have Chicago going out and spending a ton of money. And I don't think that they have done super poorly. I think they've signed some good players. Certainly Edmonds at linebacker going to be a good player for them. You know, they go out and they get DJ Moore in the trade, which I think is a fantastic move for them. But all things considered, given that they had a bazillion dollars, and by that I mean like a hundred million to go out and spend, this is one of the worst like prior to the free agency pool, we knew that this is one of the worst free agency classes that we have seen in some time. So this is the year that Chicago has a hundred million to go out and spend. They've done a pretty good job. I think they've improved their team. They've done some very smart moves in front loading some of those contracts. I've overall been impressed with how Chicago has handled this, but at the same time, there's not anything that Chicago added where I'm like, oh, Chicago is going to be a force to deal with in the foreseeable future. I just, I don't see that. And I think Detroit's done some really good things, reshaping their secondary. I love, love, love what they've done in the secondary. I mean, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on that contract is beautiful for them. And he fits their scheme. He fits their mentality. Like Cam Sutton coming over from the Steelers, that's going to help their secondary. I like what Detroit's done. Minnesota's in complete and utter no man's land. So I think overall, the NFC North has done a pretty good job. But Green Bay, all things considered, they didn't have much money. Other teams in the division did. There's no team that I look at in the division where I'm like, man, they are building a juggernaut. And meanwhile, Green Bay is being fiscally responsible, which is exactly, exactly what I've been calling for. Exactly what they should be doing in this season. Could they have ripped the Band-Aid a little bit more? Maybe not brought some of these veterans back and maybe, you know, like I said, been opening a little bit better window in 24, 25, 26? Yes, I think they could have done that. But what did we just talk about yesterday? I talked very specifically about Jordan Love and how this season is about shaping and molding and developing Jordan Love into not just the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, but a very good starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And I do think keeping a Bakhtiari, resigning an Elton Jenkins, bringing back an Aaron Jones and developing this team and making sure that Jordan's not out there with table scraps and not able to do much of anything because of the talent that's around him. I do think putting a team around him that can be successful is very important for Jordan and very important for this team moving forward. Because as I mentioned yesterday, 2023 is all about Jordan. If you can develop him into a very good starting quarterback, everything else is water under the bridge. Everything else doesn't matter. That will pay dividends upon dividends for the foreseeable future if he can become a very good starting quarterback. So I do ultimately agree with what Green Bay has mostly done this offseason. And I just love that 
they could have gone out. They could have probably mortgaged more to try to fit in an Alan Lazard on this team. They could have gone out and signed a big free agent. It's just not the time and place for that. And if you've been following me at all, you know exactly why, you know exactly how I feel about the process. And I think ultimately Green Bay's done a pretty good job. Find a couple value free agents here and there to various more, a long snapper. All of those guys are just make sense with where they're at as a franchise right now. That being said, I have identified a few players that are remaining in free agency that I do think could make sense for Green Bay. And my disclaimer at the front applies again here now. These are not going to be names that you are super excited about. I'm sorry. I apologize. This is a random Saturday episode. It's not going to be the sexiest thing in the world, but I do think these are players that could potentially fit with what Green Bay is trying to do in 2023. I'm going to go position by position. I'll start with quarterback, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on quarterback because I just did an episode a few days ago about all the backup quarterback options that Green Bay has this offseason. So go back and listen to that if you want to talk about quarterbacks. But I do think maybe a Joe Flacco or a Mason Rudolph could potentially be options at quarterback for Green Bay as a backup, as a mentor to Jordan Love. And you might be thinking, Andy, Joe Flacco is beyond washed and Mason Rudolph was never good. And you are a million percent correct. But the name of the game here at quarterback, specifically backup quarterback, is cheap. You want a cheap option that can mentor and be there for Jordan Love, who started in this league, who can put their arm around Jordan and say, I've been there. I've struggled through a lot of these things. I've had some successes. I've had some failures. And here's what you should expect as the starting quarterback and those ebbs and flows and just kind of get Jordan through some of that stuff. So Joe Flacco, Mason Rudolph, I think can do some of that. I think both of them could come in. And if all of a sudden Jordan's having a very good year and you're a playoff ready team and you need to miss two games, you have four games, you know, maybe Rudolph and Flacco could go two and two if everything goes well and you play the right teams in those games. Add the mentoring aspect, add that Mason Rudolph was a former third round pick, pretty young and maybe has some upside with a different team than what he's played on so far. He's only had the opportunity to play for one team. I think there is some option there, but like I said, go back and listen to the quarterback episode. If you're thinking neither of these guys are good, you're mostly right. I'm not exactly excited about it, but the big thing here is that they're both cheap. They're both veterans. They both started in this league, and I do think they could provide some form of backup quarterback ship to you know, Jordan Love and allow him to kind of pick their brains with what they've experienced in the NFL so far. So Flacco, Mason Rudolph, two quarterbacks, potentially to keep an eye on. If all of a sudden Matt Ryan gets to the point where he's just like, hey, I'll take almost anything to just come back and be a backup at this point, he could be an option as well. But uh, until I see that, until I, I know that Matt Ryan's willing to be a backup and not make much money, I'll stick with Flacco and Rudolph because of the cheapness at this point. And the reason I say cheap is because Green Bay has finite resources. Do you really want them going out and using those finite resources, the main thing they have left on a backup quarterback? The answer is probably no. So they could just go to the draft. I think that's probably the, re- the the way that they go with this. But if they do want a veteran, Flacco Rudolph could be two ways that they potentially go. Running back, there are no running backs that make sense. None. Zero, zip, zilch. The reason being, this is a really good running back draft class you're going to be able to find guys on day three that can help your team. Green Bay should absolutely address this position on day three with all the picks that they have. Meanwhile, they have Dylan and Jones who are going nowhere, who are going to be the main bell cows this upcoming season. Both of them could be gone next year, which is why you want to potentially put a draft pick into this class, you know, and start maybe developing that next guy up. 
Meanwhile, you still have Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson on the roster who are good running backs, good number threes. Either of them could be the number three and be very, very good at it. So if you went into this season with Dylan Jones, Goodson, and then maybe like you know Patrick Taylor on the practice squad or Patrick Taylor on the roster and Tyler Goodson on the practice squad, you're good. You don't need to add anything there this year. Meanwhile, like I said, it's a very good draft class. You're probably going to pick somebody in the on day three at worst. And if that's the case, you are more than set at the position. So there's no reason to go out and spend money in free agency at the running back position at this point. Wide receiver, I just talked about yesterday, and I probably should have been more clear. All of these options should be only if they are extremely cheap, but I do think there is some value. I don't think it's absolutely necessary to go out and get a veteran wide receiver. If you want to go out and add two or three more guys in the draft and have them compete with Bo Melton and Samari Toure to go along with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, be my guest. Go out and build a very young, very talented wide receiver core, and I am totally cool with that. But if you do want to have a veteran in the room to maybe mentor those other guys, to have one player at least in that group that you can have run precision routes and know that Jordan Love is going to know exactly where they are on the play, that I can understand. Jarvis Landry could make some sense if cheap enough. I do think he has a little bit left in the tank, not a ton, but you know, three, 400 snaps through the course of a season while he's kind of putting his arm around the rest of those wide receivers, kind of being your primary slot guy, that could work. Bringing a Randall Cobb back, do I expect it? No. Do I think Randall Cobb probably ends up with Aaron Rodgers? Yes. If he's not with Aaron Rodgers, do I expect him to maybe go to a competitor instead? Yes. But do I think it, you know Randall could be a very good reference and mentor to the rest of the receivers on this roster and be still a solid slot receiver for Jordan Love? Yeah. If they brought him back, would not mind that at all. And then Corey Davis. And when I said Corey Davis yesterday, immediately people are like, no way. I don't want Corey Davis for 10 million. Yeah, no kidding. I've been there a million percent over. I don't think they should trade for Corey Davis either. If they do trade for him, it should be that they get the opportunity to try to restructure a deal. And if they can't come to an agreement, they are the ones that end up cutting him. But that contract should ultimately just be cut by the Jets. And then Green Bay should ultimately try to maybe bid for his services on the cheap end. But if I were Corey Davis, I'd probably go to another team. But like I said, if they can get him on the cheap, that'd be great. But Corey Davis, Randall Cobb, Jarvis Landry, if you can get any of those guys on the cheap to add to your wide receiver room, mentor the rest of your young wide receivers, be kind of that veteran go-to for Jordan Love, I'm totally on board with that. And I think all three of those wide receivers could make some sense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Let's move to tight end, which is a very difficult position to sort of figure out and see if there's anyone that could be worth adding. Mercedes Lewis, I talked about it yesterday. I think he would still be a very good addition for this Green Bay team. He's clearly the one of the premier blocking tight ends in all of football. There's a lot of value in that. And I do think with Jordan Love at quarterback, adding that blocking running, you know, the, the, a tight end that can block in the running game in Lewis for Jones and Dylan to help set that up is important. Mercedes Lewis as a pass blocking tight end, one of the best in the league. I think that can help Jordan Love. And you still, even though he lacks the athletic upside or any run after the catch ability at this point in his career, still having a six, seven guy out there to go out and target if you need to as a last resort, that's not the worst case scenario either. So I am all on board if they want to go bring Mercedes Lewis back. Two other names that could make sense. Cameron Brait, the main thing for Cameron Break, the main thing that he has going for him is he was released. So he has no compensatory deduction if you sign him. He has shown some upside. He's mostly been relegated to like a number two, number three tight end through the course of his career. He's getting up there in age, so the upside is limited. But I do think the main thing there is that he was released and you could bring him in. He could be a stopgap at tight end. And even if you do draft a tight end early in the draft, Cameron Brake can kind of be there as the veteran guy. You bring in a rookie and then you have still your Tyler Davises and your Josiah DeGuaras and that could potentially round out your group, but that could give you an option as a veteran sort of guy. He's not a great blocker. He's an okay receiver. Like I said, does it at his age, maybe not the most sense of, of adding a player at this point, but I do think based on the fact that he was released, can be that veteran stopgap and give Jordan Love an option over the middle. He can hit the seam a little bit. Not the worst case scenario in the world. Meanwhile, Dan Arnold, former UW Platteville tight end, uh, he's a pass catching tight end. He is a brutal blocker, so he's going to be a you know he he's going to be your receiving tight end. He has shown some upside in the red zone. He's got great size, eight point eight two RAS guys. So you know Brian Gutekinds loves these freak athletes. Eighty eight percentile maybe isn't quite freak athlete, but it's certainly good enough at the position. He would also be your receiving tight end. If you go get, let's say like a Darnell Washington in the draft, I do think like a Darnell Washington with DeGuara, Dan Arnold, and Tyler Davis, that's a pretty decent group to kick things off with. Washington can be your blocking tight end to start. You've got just, you know, Josiah DeGuara as your H-back, Dan Arnold as your receiving tight end slash red zone threat, your Y, like you can go out and, and get in the slot, play in and uh, get up the seam a little bit. I do think there could make, there could be a way that that makes sense in some capacity. So Dan Arnold, Cameron Brait, Mercedes Lewis, all potential options at tight end. Offensive line, center, guard, tackle, I'm going none. I just don't think it makes sense. We know with all the draft picks Green Bay has, they're probably going to take at what, at least two guys in the draft along the offensive line. Meanwhile, you know, they'll probably dra- or like pick up at least two or three more in undrafted free agency. They've got Bakhtiari at left tackle. They've got Jenkins at left guard. They got Myers at center. They've got John Runyon Jr. at right guard. They got Yash Nyman maybe at right tackle. They still have Zach Tom. They got Royce Newman. They got Jake Hansen. They got Sean Ryan. They got Caleb Jones. They've got Rashid Walker. They have a lot of players that are ready to make a 53-man roster right now. And they're going to probably draft and pick up a couple undrafted free agents to even add to that group. There's just not a lot of space for, like if you were going to go out and get one of the best centers in the league, you had like you had all the money to spend and you're like, screw it. 
We're, we're sick of waiting for Josh Myers. We're going to go get one of the best centers in the league. Okay, I could have understood that, but they don't have the salary cap space. All the best offensive linemen are picked over and they have a bunch of solid to good offensive linemen on the roster already. There's just no reason to go out and get a mediocre slash below average offensive lineman. You have plenty of those. So um, I don't think any offensive lineman actually makes sense to go out and sign at this point. Like I said, they're probably going to attack it via draft a little bit. They're going to hope for some jumps from you know some players that they've tried to draft and develop or undraft and develop sort of recently. And I think hopefully they get a couple jumps from a couple of the players already on the roster. Defensive line, two names here, Matt Ioannidis and Deshaun Hand. Deshaun Hand is a very interesting one. Missed almost the entirety of last year with an injury. He had for like his first season in Detroit, was really, really good. He was a fourth round pick out of the University of Alabama, was a big time player at Alabama, a high-end recruit. And he goes to Detroit as a fourth round pick in his first year and plays extremely well his first year. Unfortunately, it's mostly been downhill since then. He signs with Tennessee a couple of years ago, has an okay, like sort of rotational spot a couple of years ago with Tennessee. As I mentioned last year, he was out almost the entirety of the year with an injury. He had only two snaps last season, only 95 snaps in the last two seasons combined. But I do think there is still some upside there. Had three sacks in his first season, hasn't had any sacks since, but he's young. He had a very high RAS, 8.88 coming out of college. Like when I say young, like 20, what did I say? 27 years old? Yeah, 27 years old. So he's like young enough. He's not like in his 30s or anything. And there might still be some meat on the bone. For a probably minimum salary player that you can bring in and have compete on the defensive line for a spot, somebody that might be competing for the last opportunity of their career, somebody that showed extreme upside as a rookie just a handful, of, not, not even a handful of years ago, that could be a name to sort of keep an eye on. Matt Ioannidis, meanwhile, is just somebody that I've always enjoyed watching play. He was sort of stuck behind the Deshaun Hands and the um, Duran Payne, or sorry, the Duran Payne's and the Jonathan Allens in Washington. And, you know, was a rotational piece there. Didn't have the greatest year a season ago, but has always been a really sound, solid rotational piece. And he's still, you know, he's still relatively young. I want to say he's like 29 years old, maybe 30. But he is, I'm just like, when you want to talk about a player who just goes out and does their job, Matt Ioannidis is one of those guys that comes to mind. You may have never heard of Matt Ioannidis. When he played for Washington and I watched him play, I was like, I was consistently impressed with what he put on tape. I didn't, I haven't seen his tape from last year to be totally transparent. So maybe he fell off a cliff a little bit per PFF. He was an average level player, but if you just need like a fourth piece on your off or on your defensive line, I've, I've seen a lot of people be like, Green Bay needs to add players to their defensive line. Eh, they got Kenny Clark at nose tackle. They've got, or maybe even TJ Slayton at nose with Kenny Clark and, you know, Devontae Wyatt as their two guys next to him. And then they still have a Jonathan Ford. Like you just need a, a fourth guy, right? Because Clark can be your one. Slayton and Wyatt can be your two and three. Jonathan Ford can be your five, or at least you let him compete with a Chris Slayton as your five. You just need a number four guy. Matt Ioannidis is a perfect number four guy. Deshaun Hand can compete to be your number four guy. And you're probably going to draft somebody as well. So I don't think you actually need a lot more veteran, you know, play there. But I, you know, if you go out and get an Ioannidis, if you go out and get a Deshaun Hand, those are two names that I think could make sense for Green Bay on the defensive line. Edge rusher, this is an interesting one. This is one that could potentially kick in on the defensive line as, as well. I'm not sure how he would be as a stand-up edge rusher in a 3-4. Rasheem Green 
was a freak athlete coming out of college. 9.09 RAS. He's only going to be 26 years old in May. He has 13 sacks over the last two seasons combined. 13 sacks. And he's probably going to go relatively cheap, has yet to be signed. And he's never been consistent. He's all over the place. So I do think that this is the type of player that Goody loves, the the high-end athlete with some high-end upside who's shown some flashes and maybe you can get him to Green Bay and Green Bay can be the the team that figures him out. That's exactly the type of guy that Green Bay looks for. And they've had success with the Devondre Campbells and the Razul Douglases and so on and so forth. So that very well could be a type of guy. Now, they don't need a ton at edge right now because they just re-signed Justin Hollins. They've got Gary, they got Preston, they got Enigbari. And I think they're going to probably draft someone. But let's say they get through the draft and they don't end up actually drafting anyone. The draft just didn't fall their way when it came to edge rushers. Rasheem Green could absolutely be a guy that I see them adding to their, their training camp roster and have the ability to go out and compete. If Gary ends up on the pup list to start the season, I think Rasheem Green could play a pretty big role. And he might even start opposite Preston Smith with Enigbari and Justin Hollins being your rotational pieces. So he's an interesting player. Probably need to get through the draft with him still being a free agent in Green Bay, not selecting anyone in the draft, but he would be one that I'd keep an eye on. Like I said, he's 6'4", 279. Rotational piece, edge rusher, defensive lineman, can move them all around. I'd, I'd be interested if they brought in Rasheem Green. Linebacker, the only one here is somebody that was on the team last year, and that was Eric Wilson. Core special teams player, 9.48 RAS coming out of college. He just seems to be a guy that Green Bay would want back based on his special teams prowess, was one of the best special teams players in the league last year. It's not like their bench is completely, like they have a lot of depth at inside linebacker. So Eric Wilson would be the guy that I would kind of keep an eye on there. Cornerback, Dane Cruikshank, Tennessee Titan to Chicago Bear over his career, fifth round pick in 2018, only 28 years old, was extremely athletic, is extremely athletic, 9.69 RAS score out of college, has some corner versatility, has some safety versatility, has struggled with health and injuries through the course of his career. In 2019, 2019, he played 413 special team snaps, 413. That is a lot of special team snaps with a 79.5 grade, one of the better grades I've seen PFF give anyone. In uh, 2018, he had 119 snaps with uh, 199 snaps with 72.4 grade and had 119 snaps on special teams last year with a 67.4 grade. You want to talk about Green Bay adding, continuing to add to their special teams. They don't really need a starting caliber cornerback. They've got Douglas, they've got Jair, they've got um, they've got Stokes, and then they've got Keyshawn as their four. So like they just need that like number five, number six guy. The draft is probably where you look. They still have Shamar. You know they've got a couple guys. You know um, Thomas is a player that I think could potentially be somebody that ultimately competes. Keandre Thomas, but Dane Crookshank could be a guy that they add to their roster. I love his corner safety versatility. If he can stay healthy, he's got enough special teams prowess, enough versatility, and enough athleticism that he could be like one of those bottom of the roster type 53 guys. They did just go out and get Corey Ballantine as well. So this might become a player that's just a little bit less necessary with Ballantine on the roster, but Crookshank, Ballantine, kind of the same type of guy. And you can just never have enough of those, you know, bottom of the roster, special team slash versatile guys that can play a couple different positions. And that brings me finally to safety, two safeties that I think are still out there that could make some sense. Both of them 
were on the Cleveland Browns last year. Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson. The big thing with John Johnson was that he was released. So again, will not affect the compensation formula. Ronnie Harrison, another option, but a unrestricted free agent. Harrison, a 6'3", 214 safety, came out of the University of Alabama, will only turn 26 in April, has plenty of starting experience, more of a strong safety, struggles in coverage a little bit more, pretty sound tackler overall but a 46.0 grade by PFF last year, which is well below average. Had a 76.6 grade in 2020 though for the Browns. Has some special teams experience, 7.49 RAS coming out of college. I still think there's some upside there, some untapped potential that could be one player Green Bay looks at. But like I told you a couple days ago, Green Bay has five guys on their roster that are capable of making a 53-man roster at safety right now. They don't need a guy unless they can go out and find a really good player, you might just be better off playing the guys that are on your roster and see if any of them develop. But if they want to go in a different direction, Ronnie Harrison could make more sense. The bigger one here is John Johnson. And Johnson may ultimately end up, you know, back with, uh, you know, Staley, Brandon Staley, and, uh, you know, where he, he, who he played with, with the Rams. Staley's, of course, the coach of the Chargers. And Johnson had some of the best years of his career under Staley when they were both together with the Rams. Six foot, 209, extremely familiar with Joe Barry's defense because he played it with, again, with the Rams uh, when they when Joe Barry was there with the Rams a couple of years ago with Brandon Staley. 1,056 snaps last year in Cleveland with a 62.8 grade per PFF. 1,159 snaps in 2020 with the Rams with an 85.3 grade, had an 83.6 grade in 2018, an 81.5 grade in 2017, has some high-end seasons, specifically with the Rams, played okay with the Browns, an 8.06 RAS coming out of college. That would be a gorgeous fit, would immediately become the Packers' best safety. You could pair him probably with Darnell Savage pretty easily. You could potentially pair him maybe with a Rudy Ford. Maybe they go with a draft pick. Maybe they go in a different direction, but John Johnson would make a ton of sense. It would, like I said, immediately become their best safety on defense. So those are a variety of players that they could look to sign. Just a quick recap, quarterback Joe Flacco, Mason Rudolph, Running back, none. Wide receiver, Jarvis Landry, Randall Cobb, Corey Davis, if cut. Tight end, Mercedes Lewis, Cameron Brayton, Dan Arnold. Offensive line, none. Defensive lineman, Matt Ioannidis and Deshaun Hand. Edge rusher, Rasheem Green. Linebacker, Eric Wilson. Corner, Dane Crookshank. Safety, Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson. That is going to do it for me today. Always appreciate you guys. I hope you're having, like I said, an amazing weekend. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.